Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Today's guest is Kathleen Minogue, founder and CEO of Crowdfund Better, a social enterprise dedicated to helping people learn to access capital through crowdfunding. She'll also share insights about her superpower, transformation, an ability she uses on herself as much as to help others reach their full potential. Kathleen, welcome back. It's such a thrill to have you. Devin, I love coming and talking with you. And I'm so grateful that you have this space for people to come and share their stories. Well, you're, you're kind. I really appreciate that because uh, I love doing it. I love connecting with people like you uh, all around the world who are doing incredible things to make the world a better place. And, you know, I think the world faces some big challenges, you know, climate change, poverty, global health issues. My gosh, global health issues right now, right? Capital, uh, capital H there. But uh, what I find is there are just amazing people working on those problems. And so it's fun to, to do this. And so I, I appreciate you appreciating me a little bit. Thank you very much for coming back. Uh, Kathleen, you are one of the great world experts on crowdfunding for small business. And so I want to talk a little bit about, well, let's talk about that today, right? <laughs> um, I, as much as I would love to just brag about you, let me turn the microphone over to you so you can say it right. Tell people a little bit about your practice and what you do. So... The way I describe crowdfund better, we're not an agency, we're not a platform. We kind of sit over the the whole space and our goal is to provide education to help empower people to understand that this opportunity exists to use crowdfunding as a capital raising tool, but then also to understand how it works. And that's a really important piece of the education because what's out there makes it look like magic. And while I believe it is magic uh, and it is transformational for so many people, there's a mystique around it. And, I, you know, we want to pull the curtain back and you can see the man or the woman moving the levers. How does crowdfunding work? Um, my background's in education. Uh, I taught middle and high school. And so when I came to this space, I wanted to find a way to reach anyone, no matter what level they were at and help them to crowdfund better, which is how I named the company. So no promises of success, but we know that when we work with entrepreneurs and small business owners and nonprofits and creatives, that they have a greater chance of success. And we do that through education, strategy, training, and support. Yeah. I have sometimes been just a bit more optimistic even than that. Uh, about crowdfunding. I've described crowdfunding as being almost, almost, never literally, but almost a guaranteed source of funding if you do the work. And that's what you're doing at Crowdfund Better is helping people understand what that work is and how to organize it, plan it, prepare it, and execute on it. Because it is a, a tremendous source of capital for a small business owner that needs, you know, 50,000, 200,000, 250, you know, those kinds of funds, most people can organize through crowdfunding, can't they? You know, it's, it, I, it's to hear you say it, I'm almost reminded. Um, and 
someone asked me the other day, well, who can crowdfund? I said, do you have a community that loves what you do? And are you willing to do the work to reach them? And they said, is it that simple? I said, well, it's not simple, but it is that simple. Uh, (laughs) And um, when you said about the work, that is why I built, uh, after eight years of doing this, I started to see a pattern, a process. And with my background in education, one of the things um, I love is mastery learning. And that approach to learning is you never fail. You just keep going back until you master the skill. You keep going back until you master the the information. And I think crowdfunding is exactly that way. Uh, And a lot of people approach it as, I'm going to do a campaign, I make my page and off I run. And with our process, it's, well, do you understand how it works? Let's start there. Yeah. Um, and then what do you really want from this experience? Because it could mean a lot more than money, but you're going to have to put a little bit more in if you want a little more out. And um, so what is the work that's ahead of you. We do a lot of strategy looking forward. What type of crowdfunding is a good fit for you at this point in your business? And there may be other types of crowdfunding you can access later. We have a lot of really realistic conversations about the size of people's networks and the time they have available. Sometimes I feel like the crowdfunding wet blanket, but the people who have the conversations, we often find they don't need as much capital as they thought. And so they do have the network they need for $50,000, but they don't have the network for a million dollars, which is sometimes right. how they walk into the room. Sure. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, who doesn't want a million dollars? Right? I mean, if you can do it, fantastic. But it might take you one, you know, more than one campaign to get there. Um, and we also saw that there were these particular areas where people needed to do the work, but there wasn't really an instruction booklet in crowdfunding. There was a go get an email list and make a great video. But if you really want to do the work well and have crowdfunding be valuable for your business, even beyond the funding, then you're going to use it as an opportunity to organize your business and motivate your customer. And that means doing a lot of thinking about how you're talking about your business, the stories that you're telling, and also how you have organized your network. Um, So we have now, and this is the result of a a lot of years of doing it by hand, we now have a curriculum we can walk people through and it's available to do on your own, but we love working with entrepreneurs. Uh, I I was told by someone, well, can't you scale? Why can't you just scale and take the human out of it? I said, I would not want to show up for work if we took the human out of it. Uh, yeah. Because that's the that's the magic of crowdfunding is the human. Right. It puts decisions back in the hands of humans to choose what they want and who they want to make it and who is going to benefit from whatever is created. Yeah. I, there's so many things I want to talk about, but let's talk a little bit about access to capital for uh, underserved communities. And I'm not sure there's ever a, a perfectly acceptable way to talk about these issues sometimes, but but I think it's important that we do. Uh, you and I both know Bill Houston. He was on the show a few weeks ago. And 
we talked about his efforts to help raise money for African-American entrepreneurs. And uh, I think that's an important thing. And you're engaged with Bill to some extent uh, and in a parallel way. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing uh, with and for the African-American community. So yeah, Bill is one of my dearest colleagues in this space and we talk regularly just to talk about what's happening and so that we can understand what's working, what's not working, where the opportunities are. And uh, when I created this business, I had an experience in a prior work life where I worked at the JP Morgan Investment Technology Bank and um, I saw who walked in and got money and I remembered. And so when we started doing this work in crowdfunding, when I was doing this, I started to see the same people getting access to crowdfunding dollars. And I asked the question, well, why? When the people who can most benefit are not, why aren't they using it? And, and there are a lot of people who want to place blame. And for me, it was about digging to the source. And the source was they didn't know about it. They didn't know how it worked. And they couldn't pay the $5,000, $10,000 to hire an agency to do it for them. Just reality. And I said, well, there's got to be something else. And for me, helping entrepreneurs who... And like you said, it's, you know, someone said to me, why do you always help the underdog? I said, it's because I don't think they're underdogs. (laughs) I've never saw that they had anything less except for perhaps some information, except for some support. Um, They're, they're only underdogs because they're not surrounded by the same resources. And uh, I found myself and, and you were on the, you were actually the, 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 the host of the panel, I found myself on a panel in 2016 talking about crowdfunding in minority communities. And here I was, I mean, I'm a white woman. Why was I the representative? Uh, and I looked or why up, was I moderating the panel, right? <laughs> um, and, and that was the same day that Bill had the, you know, we looked out in the room and said, there's nobody black in the audience. Uh, okay. Um, and I first went and tried to work with small business advisory organizations um, because I felt that that's where a lot of these entrepreneurs were going for help. And if we could reach them through these advisory organizations, then we could bring them trusted information around crowdfunding. Uh, but crowdfunding was so new and many of these advisors had no experience with it. They were but there were just no funds to pay for any professional development. And so I'm a little bit of a persistent person. Uh, I kept making a little bit of of noise. Um, And I showed up in a room uh, for the Partnership for Lending in Underserved Markets, which was an initiative between the Milken Institute and the SBA to, and, and, and I'm not a lender, uh, but I showed up in this room where I didn't belong and had a lot of people, you know, when I told them who I was, they were, why are you here? Um, and sat at the table and listened to what was said and and then started saying, well, there's this other thing. There's, oh, crowdfunding. You know, just keep mentioning it, mentioning it. And um, not too much came out of that initiative. As, as many of those things are, there's a lot of talk and a lot of reports and not a lot of action. Um, 
But I am proud to say that I sat on the dais at the final event telling them about a crowdfunding case study. So I guess I made some sort of impact. Um, but I was looking for how I could partner with, because that's something I had learned in that time uh, with that Plum Initiative, that what happens often is that people come in from the outside and they create programs and they don't involve the local community or the organizations that have been on the ground. And, and if you don't, then you don't have trust. Um, and, you know, I've talked to Bill, I would have conversations with other individuals in the industry because finally there was starting to be a group of black leaders in crowdfunding. Uh, and I got a call one day from uh, Renee King at the rewards platform Fun Black Founders. And we had this really heart to heart conversation about what she was trying to accomplish, what we were trying to accomplish. Uh, and we put together a, a small cohort and did this training, uh, launched a few campaigns, which were very successful. And then there was this opportunity and they were able to partner Fun Black Founders with the JLH Social Impact Fund, which was uh, created by Drew Holiday of the Milwaukee Bucks and Lauren Holiday, who is a World Cup soccer champion. And um, they have funded a 16-week training program for 25 entrepreneurs to go through the crowdfunding training in partnership with Fun Black Founders and Crowdfund Better. So Crowdfund Better is providing the education and Fun Black Founders is the culturally relevant support. And that's not something we could do. And Fun Black Founders wasn't in a position, they didn't have a training program. So we were able to put those pieces together and we have this incredible group of entrepreneurs who are getting the full, the full wraparound is what I want to say, a huge crowdfunding hug and also providing other support where they need it. And that program is really a dream come true for me because the other piece of it is that the JLH fund is matching what those entrepreneurs raise up to 25K, which is the other piece of the conversation that we have to talk about the wealth gap and that many of these entrepreneurs of color do not have the same networks and don't have the same backer pool. Uh, they can't access perhaps the same level of capital. And so that was always a, a conversation when I was at Plum was what can we do to do more? Yeah. Well, it's brilliant that you've tapped into that source of capital. I, I think when Bill and I spoke, he, he mentioned a, a clear and a suggestion that is just to allocate a little bit of money from your crowdfunding uh, portfolio to make sure that some of that is directed specifically toward uh, black founders and to make sure some of the money you spend in your daily life is spent uh, with black owned businesses. And, you know, that is remarkably simple, but uh, rather profound uh, in some ways because I wasn't doing that before he suggested it. It's like, yeah, I could do that. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I, I I hear that. And one of the really successful campaigns through this uh, JLH on Black Founders uh, partnership uh, is an entrepreneur who there is a gentleman in the community, um, uh, and he's not of color, 
Uh, but he really connected with what she was trying to do. And when she launched her campaign, he went out to his entire network and said, put your money here. And so many of them showed up for her. Uh, so he really acted as an incredible ally by inviting his network to support her. And I think we have to talk about that piece uh, because I'm sitting in a room once a week with uh, a room full of black entrepreneurs. And some people have asked, why are you in that room? And I know that Renee has gotten some flack. Why, why, are, are, why, are, why is a, you know, a white woman and a white man in the room? And you know, her answer was because they built the thing and they were willing to be a part of it, right? Like they had what we needed. And when I asked them, do you want to do this? Will you partner with us? They said, yes, absolutely. And we're willing to come in with the understanding that this was their house and that we were guests. And um, that was huge. I think that's such a huge thing. I don't think people can understand what I felt like to be given that trust, come in this room. And I trust that you will respect the opinions, journeys, experiences of all of these entrepreneurs. It's humbling for me. I'm getting a little teary, I will admit it. Um, but um, I think we need more conversations and, and moments like that. I want to see more people and not just people of color, supporting entrepreneurs of color. Yeah. But I think we also have to make sure that we open the door and say, you're welcome here. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is a complex space and it is scary for me even to talk about it, but I think we have to talk about these issues uh, because we can't level the playing field without participating in the leveling. And so, you know, folks like you and me have to talk about it. Uh, and participate in it. And I'm proud of what you're doing and uh, excited to see you continuing to, to work on that space. Um, Kathleen, what do you think of as being your superpower? I knew you were going to ask me this and, and I have to tell you, I sat on this for weeks um, <laughs> and um, came up with a lot of things. And, and I think it's transformation. I, hold myself to a very high standard when it comes to learning. And when I was talking about going into that room, the, the Plum Initiative, room full of lenders, um, I put myself in rooms where I don't belong a lot. And, and, and rooms where people really have no idea why I'm there. Uh, when I studied in London, I, I used to go to uh, South Asian dance events. And I truly was the only white face in the room. I just loved it. I didn't have an agenda. Um, and, and I am a listener. Um, I'm not the loudest voice in the room until I've been there a long time. And, um, and I'm really persistent and patient. And to me, there's change and there's transformation. And we can legislate a, a change, but transformation takes time. And you have to have patience with yourself. And in our work with our clients, 
it's all about allowing them their journey. And I think that's how I approach the world is it's everyone's in a classroom. Everyone's in their very own classroom and I can't do your homework for you and I can't move you any faster. You know, if, if you're in kindergarten on this one piece, but you're in college on another, you know, it's not for me to say, hurry up and, and, and get there. Um, and so my own commitment to transformation in myself and then also allowing for that in others. Uh, so it's taken a long time. It's been 10 years that I've been in this crowdfunding space. And uh, it was just in the last couple months after five years of advocating that uh, I created professional development training for uh, federally funded small business advisors. And um, I know a lot of people in the space who gave up on that a long time ago but there's transformation that's possible when those advisors are bringing this new capital tool to all the people coming for free help at every women's business center and small business development center and score chapter and veteran business uh, organization. And to me, it, that's, that was why I stayed at it uh, because I want to make sure that the training gets all the way to the the small business owner that thinks they're too small to crowdfund. I think that's uh, a really powerful and unusual way to think about a superpower. And I'm grateful that you shared that as, as you reflect back on what you've accomplished, how does transformation enable your impact, your success? I think I always assume it's going to take a minute. <laughs> um, and, and right now, I think because of technology, everyone assumes that change is fast. Um, we live in a, a human body and, and, and uh, my partner in this business, Scott, he's, he always reminds me of what I say to people. You, you can only accomplish what you can accomplish in human time. Uh, and, and so, remembering that when when I'm not hitting the goal line and then also remembering that when you know I get very connected to the campaigns that I coach and it can be incredibly frustrating but having that moment of realizing maybe the entrepreneur never reaches their financial goal but they might transform in some other way and I see this over and over um, and so the, the, the superpower is in seeing the potential in every situation and having enough patience to allow people to have their journey and, uh, and, and for me to have my own journey. Uh, there were a lot of people who you know, thought that I should have done this or I should have done that. Why don't you become a marketing agency, Kathleen? Because I that's not my passion. Um, and, you know, there were a lot of hand to mouth months uh, where I didn't know if this business was still going to be standing. Um, but you make choices or I make choices for that transformational moment. Um, and um, I mean, some of that, I think, comes from being a teacher and watching the light bulb go on for a student 
uh, watching and, and them grow over years. Um, it comes from, I'm a mom and, uh, you know, my daughter will tell you, I'm very patient <laughs> when it comes to her timing. Uh, uh, you know, she didn't want to wear socks for two years. So she didn't wear socks for two years. And then she came down one day and said, I'm ready to wear socks. And she wore socks and, you know, we're, we're and more socks every, every day after that. And she said, you were really patient with me. Um, I don't know why she didn't want to wear socks. It wasn't fatal, um, inconvenient. Uh, so uh, I, I think transformation, once it happens, it doesn't go back, right? It's not like I changed my mind. I changed my mind. It's not I transformed and I untransformed. That usually doesn't happen. Um, and so by the time I feel like I have really changed, it's from the inside out. It, it is so deep, you can't take it out. Uh, and so, you know, someone once said to me, you really can't lie, can you, Kathleen? And it comes from the same place because I've sat and I've thought about it. And how do I feel about that? And I'm not going to say until I really know, you know, because they know I don't, I don't want to speak until I'm sure of what, uh, you know, I feel and think. So, uh, but it is a, a a superpower, I think, to see the world that way. Well, it, it certainly is. I, I, as I think about uh, what you're doing, I, I wonder how you teach people to transform. And, and so I want you to think about the steps, the processes, the coaching you give people, even if you haven't formalized, to think about some of the guidance you give and share that with us. There's a lot of pure love in what we do. Uh, nothing makes me happier than looking at the testimonials on our website and the word care um, is there. And it's from the beginning. And that's why I won't take the human piece out. You know, so there's an online course that starts the process. And then the next piece is this strategy session. And it's a 45 minute call where it's all about them. And and so you, you have to understand where they're starting to understand where they might go. And so that's a very individual process and that's mastery learning. So what's under mastery learning is understanding where someone is beginning in their journey and not blaming them for what they don't know or what they don't have. Um, and, and that is so important in our work with minority entrepreneurs and women entrepreneurs in particular, women are so mean to themselves about what they don't know or the experience they don't have. And, uh, you know, we'll say in our trainings, it's a judgment free zone. You come in with whatever you have and that's, that's what you have. It's not good. It's not bad. It just is. Um, so really appreciating where someone is starting and helping them set goals that are achievable. I think the worst thing you can do is promise someone that they're going to, you know, raise a million dollars or get a thousand followers. Um, realistically, we work with a lot of owner operators who are wearing 12 hats. And so we slow the process down. We say, I know you want to get out the gate in a month, but if you do this over four months, then you can live your life and take care of your family and run your business and crowdfund successfully. Um, 
I have a client who came in for crowdfunding and it's been a year and we're still in community building a year later. And she's as happy as can be because that's the heart and soul of what she wants to create is something that was inspired by and created through partnership with community. So I don't, I think it's understanding and setting achievable goals, but also not putting a timer on people. That's so important because we work also with entrepreneurs who, particularly during COVID, I had more entrepreneurs who got COVID in the middle of their prep. People who get sick, their mothers get sick, things happen. And, and often it's interesting, those moments, they come back a different person from those experiences, often with fire in their belly to get going. And, and if you put a timer on it, then you've limited the chance for them to have that full experience. So um, we don't put a timer on the work that we do. I have a client who just came back two years later. Okay, I'm ready now. Okay, so are we. Let's go. Fantastic. Well, it's, it's an inspiring way to think about crowdfunding as something so deeply personal. And yet that's kind of an inherent part of crowdfunding, isn't it? Because the, when you crowdfund, you're not asking a banker or a venture capitalist for money. The first person you're going to ask is your sister or your mother or your best friend, right? I, I just prior to this, I got off a call with one of my clients um, and uh, we were sort of rehashing the process a little. And she said, I had no idea how valuable my network is. I had no idea. She said, I just had been doing my thing and I'm not a person who asks for a lot. That's what she said. And so when I asked, these people started contributing. And the hardest part and the most transformative part for so many of our entrepreneurs is many of them hide behind their business. They never put their face on anything. They, 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 and particularly women and minority entrepreneurs, they feel, and I know this as a woman, that their product has to be superior every single time. So they're never able to be vulnerable and say, I need help. And crowdfunding flips that on its ear. They have to be willing to go out in front of people and say, I can't do this alone. And that alone is a transformative process for so many people. Wait, yeah. I can tell people this is hard. I can tell people that, you know, day after day, I'm not sure how I'm going to make it through. Um, and, and I describe it as what crowdfunding does for so many of us, where I think there's a lot of performative entrepreneurship out there where people are pretending everything is fine. Um, Crowdfunding opens a space and I'll use my hands, right? You know, this is usually what people get. Right? They don't know if they're insulting you by offering help. But when you crowdfund and you open that door and you create a space, there's all that room in there for someone to step in and be supportive. And in the way that they know is going to be helpful to you. So it, it really does change. I, I have one entrepreneur who cried in the middle of a session. She said, I've never asked for anything in my life. I don't know how to do this. Um, three years later, her business is thriving. And I am pretty sure she's been asking for what she needs lately with the growth of her business. <laughs> well, that, that is such a powerful takeaway uh, and a great way to end. But 
to think about that, the, the power of just asking for what you need and, and counting on your network to come through and finding the right ways to do that. That's, that's profound. That is really profound. I think everyone at some point needs their network and I don't care how rich you are. There's a time when, when you need something someone else has and you need help. And so that's a real great lesson for everybody. Um, Kathleen, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for making the time for us today and sharing such wisdom and insight. Before you go, would you just take a minute and tell people how they can find you, how they can get help from you? What? Tell them a little bit about the program so they know what to expect when they get your help. But just take a minute and let's wrap up on uh, a little bit of how to find you, sales pitch, connect with me on LinkedIn, whatever it is. Okay. Terrific. Um, our crowdfund better process is a four-step process and it starts uh, the way it's built is it's little bits to start and those are aligned with costs. So the beginning steps are less expensive than the more uh, one-to-one uh, steps that come later. So there's four steps um, and you can go to our website, which is uh, www.crowdfundbetter.com. Uh, you can write to us. Uh, the best person to write to is start at crowdfundbetter.com. You'll get the fastest response from my team. And if it's for me, they will make sure it gets to me. Uh, and um, we have a, a learning portal that has online courses. If you just want to learn about storytelling or you just want to find the gold in your network, which is my favorite course, um, you can take those online courses. Um, and we also have various partnerships with different organizations. So when you reach out to us, if we have an organization where we can get you that training for free, we will automatically refer you to that organization so that you can get that help at the lowest cost possible. And yes, LinkedIn is where I spend a lot of my time. So you can reach out to me, uh, Kathleen Minogue, uh, on LinkedIn, and I'd love to have a conversation with you. Fantastic. Well, Kathleen, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. It's just been such a great discussion and great to catch up with you. Uh, I congratulate you for all the success you're having, all the impact you're having, the good you're doing in the world, and uh, wish you continued success in doing that great work. Thank you so much, Devin. Thank you for the work you're doing. Uh, I'm a huge fan. I, I think you know I'm a huge fan, and <laughs> I'm so glad that your voice is out there in the world. Well, thank you. You're very kind. Now, let's do some good. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers, number four, good.com. Be super empowered. Get your copy of the book, Superpowers for Good, as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer. Interested in having me speak to your company, organization, or association? Visit devonthorpe.com. Then let's talk. Now, keep using your superpowers for good. Together, we can reverse climate change, improve global health, and eradicate poverty.